a wily vet turns 34, he becomes a free agent, and nobody can wait to crap on him with his health concerns. But watch for him to pop 30 in 2021. And isn't it ironic when guys buy low? At third base with the dynasty ranks, it's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Miguel Andujar that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again with the original hot corner, Robbie Baseball. What's happening? Not not much, Ty. Just you know, working on my lyrics, dropping fat rhymes. My wife's talking about the writing of the lyrics. Like just write them. That's it. Well, I did. I wrote them here. Everybody likes the sound of paper. I'm inspired by um, old dear Mr. Fantasy, our friend Chris McBrien, who uh, is just pump, pumping out the lyrics and pumping out the songs on uh, his podcast, Pop Goes Your World. If you're not listening to that, I mean, he's got the dad jokes. Now he's adding in music. I mean, the thing is just it's all encompassing. Plus, they, they always do good pop culture uh, movie reviews. Uh, and things like that. So I'm inspired by Dear Mr. Fantasy this time of the year. But this is I mean, a fun he's one. He's got to be careful, though. If he adds like one more like punch buggy game in there, he's just going to have to rename it Ro- Road Trip or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think his co-host Derek might just might just bounce. Because <laughs> the last one he did was called Derek's Docs, which I just thought was hilarious. And Derek did not like it. And he, I think he played it three times in the episode. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, you know, life's good, right? We're, we're pumping out the dynasty stuff. So we, you and I both know we're staring at computers. We're um, checking out our ranks, trying to figure out, is this guy going to be a regular by 2023, 24, 25? What kind of an impact are they going to have? And we're covering all of the, ba- the baseball positions, all of the positions, and we're trying to figure all these things out. So it's a confusing time, but I mean, this is the fun part when, when Ty hits record and we get to spew the information out and then everybody can say, what are you talking about with this guy here and that guy there? And we've got a rationale behind. So, you know, in that sense, Ty, I'm good. How about you? I am busy trying to squeeze a whole bunch of things in before the holidays. Uh, who knows what, we're allowed to do and not allowed to do at this point. We're getting yeah, yo-yoed by the down. Ontario government here uh, a little bit, but at the end of the day, uh, first Christmas with the little guy. So a lot going on just to get in front of that. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to be nice to maybe turn the brain off for a couple of days. It's long overdue. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, that's typically what you do when you're making your dynasty ranks, isn't it? Just, that's turn right. Your brain off. I just turn, <laughs> I turn to my crystal ball and let that do all the work. <laughs> yep. Well, for everybody who doesn't know, if you're new to the podcast or you're checking us out because um, we've dropped a whole bunch of episodes and you realize that 
you suck at dynasty and you want to be better welcome thanks for joining along with us here uh we rank based on the next five-year production, and that's using eight different categories. Those are runs, RBIs, home runs, stolen bases, walks, strikeouts, which are a little bit out of the ordinary for some of your leagues, but that's how you can get a much better player evaluation for things uh, over the long haul, as well as the average and the OPS. So if you're in an OBP league, maybe you're going to look more to the OPS guys that we might talk about tonight also. You know, if they have a good OBP, you already know that. Um those are the categories we cover for this tonight, Ty, third base. Uh, what, what were your thoughts? You know, we've got 87 ranked. There's two more guys from Texas that we didn't even bother with. Jonathan Orelnis, who's a 20-year-old, and David uh, Wenzel, who's a 23-year-old, who don't really look like they're part of the plan moving forward. But um, 87 guys that are on the ranked list that might make a dent for some period of time over the next five years. Yeah, like I mean, my, base? I, I really like the top 10. Um, there's a couple guys that I like to be really sneaky past that. There's a couple guys that are going to arrive sooner than I think a lot of people think. Then there's this gap between that in, in a period of, of solid talent that's a little further away. But I think, uh, think there's a lot to talk about in this episode because I think this is one of those positions that's on the rebound a little bit. And, and it's kind of near the bottom. And I think you it now's the time to make smart moves at third base. So that's, that's my takeaway from third base. I'm excited about this episode because you and I disagree heavily on a lot of people at this position. So I'm looking forward to it. Which is so odd for us because generally we get along <laughs> so well with our ranks, uh, which of course is humor for everybody out there. Uh, Ty and I enjoy doing the podcast together because we, agree so so little on things and we build teams in in vastly different ways and uh you know we'll definitely get into team building and things like that when we are in january and we're talking prospects and you know how you want to align your team tonight we're talking rank so um if but you there is one out- thing though that we do very much agree on robbie and i think you know what that is absolutely i do a long time ago someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. It's not popping. I was going to say, my God, that one's drawn out tonight. That's a fresh new bottle, though. Yeah, it's back, baby. (laughs) Is that Basil Hayden? (laughs) You know it is. Yeah, very nice. Well, I kept it simple tonight. I was just moving some of my empties around from one of the previous nights, Um, but I'm I'm just having some good old fashioned Bailey's and ice. Um, You know, I think I'd mentioned on a previous podcast. I asked my wife to go pick up a thing of Bailey's, and she came back with a small container, small bottle, and I said, "Well, that's not going to last this long." Um, So I'm doing my best to get through it before. Christmas, so she has to go and buy another one just because well, uh, I don't want to leave. Quick shout out to uh, our favorite heel, Ronnie, who sent me a photo the other day of um, Basil Hayden being seven dollars off at the Lickbo. So I can oh, only, really? I can only assume there's a discounted bottle in the mail headed my way. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You know, Ronnie has been um, complaining heavily about the fact that he. Uh, wants on the show because he did win the inaugural 
37% of a season in our listener Roto league, uh, which we did actually have one guy who left the league um, just talk to me privately about it. He's got other, other interests that were more uh, calling to him more than our league. So if anyone out there is a dedicated Roto player and wants to walk in to what I believe was a top half, a top eight team um, in our dynasty Roto league, you are welcome to hit me up at Robbie baseball one, hit the podcast up at dingers pod or tie at tourney boss. And uh, we will happily interrogate you to see if you are the right fit to hop into our listener league and join us for the first full season. Um, but yeah, Ty, Ronnie does want to come on at some point in time. Um, I've just been saying no, uh, but I feel like maybe, maybe we owe it to him to have him on in um, Flarch, or maybe we could have him on in late Flemberwary, and then he could, you know, do a show. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll have him back on. I mean, every now and then he does say something smart. Right. Like it's, it's, it comes out every now and then. So I think we'll have them back at some point, but um, let's, let's get into it. You know what I'm most excited about this list? How very few Seattle players there are on this list. <laughs> it's tough. I think we've got two. Um, I didn't even put on just so people, people know we've, we've got uh, players as young, I think on this list as 19 that we think could have some relevance in, and 18. I see right here, 18. Um, and I, I think the oldest to start is 35 so to 40 i think matt carpenter might be the oldest guy um but yeah seattle has one area of need and uh joe rizzo did not make our our list i i can't remember exactly what's up i mean he wasn't protected in the rule five he doesn't have the experience above i believe high a maybe he spent some time at double a just didn't look like it was going to be a relevant thing and it may be that seattle's moving on so i know we've got two guys for sure ty um and, and that's before we get into, you know, like there are some guys later on here who are long shot prospect types, but just for those guys out there in dynasty, it's a good thing to keep in mind just because somebody was a, you know, top 100 pick four years ago, five years ago, does not mean they're necessarily on the cusp of MLB play. You've got to keep up with your off season. You got to know what's going on in your dynasty leagues. And sometimes you got to, you got to make trades you don't like because the sound of a player might be familiar. You know, you hear Rizzo, you think maybe good things, but realistically it doesn't look like that's going to happen for him in Seattle. So uh, we can get started here. Ty, I think the easiest way to do this is like, I can just rhyme off the names and then you can stop me when there's something to talk about. Does that sound good? Let's do it. Cause we got 87. So we've got Colt Keith um, tiger draft pick last year coming in at 87. Then we've got 86, Kevin uh, Padlow, Tampa Bay, 24-year-old. We've got Kevin Maiton in at 85. I mean, the fall has been mighty for Maiton now with the Angels as a 21-year-old. Gage Workman, another draft pick with Detroit at 84. Will Craig with Pittsburgh. Now, Will Craig's a 26-year-old. We, we have the idea that he might end up just kind of getting a cup of coffee here and there. Certainly nobody that you would be banking on at all in Dynasty. It's just like a default guy could have some time. Um, Luis Turbino with San Francisco, 20 year old. So this is on the other side that we discussed earlier. Somebody who, you know, the years 23, 24, and our final season in our rankings will be 25. We can certainly see Turbino being up and doing some things with San Francisco. Uh, Aaron Schnuck, is that correct, Ty? Schnuck? 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 I like, uh, let's say Schnuck just because it's fun. Yeah. S C H. So S C H. I think it's, I think it's Shunk. I think it's Shunk. But, Shunk, but okay. We'll, but, but we're going to say Chinook, yeah. Chinook, yeah. Colorado. So, 
Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing is the default, you know, put a Colorado guy on, but he would be higher realistically. Anyway, 23 year old, we know who he's blocked by. Um, and there, well, I mean, he's blocked by more than one, but we know there's at least one elite third baseman in Colorado. And then at 80, we've got Casey Schmidt with San Francisco. I believe Schmidt was also drafted this past year. Um, he's a 21 year old. So this is not the most exciting list. I mean, the name that I'm sure everybody knows on here is my Tontai, but is, is there hidden value that we could see earlier? In the I, next I, three years, I really like the Detroit picks here. Like Workman yeah. and Keith both could be major leaguers. Keith has a lot more development to go. I think Workman low side is probably going to be a backup somewhere. I do think he moves to the outfield. I will say that. I think he okay. fits better as an outfielder. When you look at the Tigers depth chart, it just makes sense. And I think it's going to be his fastest path. So if if I'm watching Workman, if I'm in on Workman, I'm definitely going to be looking for that move to to one of the corners in the outfield. And if that's the case and you don't own him, then he might be worth taking a grab at because if he's, if he stays on the corner, it's probably going to be only an injury replacement or, or trade bait. One of the two um, that's, those are really the only two that I'm even remotely excited about in this group. Yeah. F- fair enough. I mean, really the only other guy I have some interest in is uh, Torbino with San Francisco, but he's so far away. We need to see, you know, 800 minor league at bats before we can really start to get a timeline for him. But that's, that's on the other end, right? You got years for him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, now we're into the seventies. So we've got, uh, Eliris Montero with St. Louis, 22 year old Malcolm Nunez with St. Louis, a 19 year old. So again, these are a couple of guys further down the road. Um, Austin Shenton with Seattle, 23 year old. This guy is kind of in there. Cause I think that might be a transitional, player uh you know not high hopes but certainly somebody that just just keep an eye on the guy um aj vukochik with arizona young guy we need to see those at bats um just really see what's going on but arizona is certainly a team that will be in heavy rotation flipping guys around moving roster pieces over the next four years uh alexander mejia with pittsburgh 18 year old i think he is the youngest guy on the list but interesting guy certainly somebody to watch long-term um, Nick Quintana with Detroit, who may have been drafted. I think he was second round pick in 19 uh, second or third round pick. He's an interesting option. Certainly doesn't look like things are going to be as easy for him at third base anymore in Detroit, but that doesn't mean that he can't move somewhere else at 73. We've got uh, Keona Cavico with Minnesota. Minnesota's got tons of talent at the MLB level right now. So it's going to be a bit of a wait for the youngster 72 Jordan Walker with St. Louis, the third Cardinal in this group, 71 Kelvin Gutierrez with Kansas city, getting a cup of coffee at the moment, but we don't see big impact and 70 our first big Wiley vet, former top 10 fantasy player, Matty Carpenter, uh, 35 year old with St. Louis. I believe he's in the final year of his contract. Excellent. Pardon? I'm pretty, pretty agree? positive that he is, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we've just seen a steady decline, and this isn't a, a knock on Carpenter. He was never a, a big bomber bat. He was a five-category guy. When St. Louis is good, he's good. And, you know, another list here, another group of the list here, Ty, is there a, a guy or two that stand out on either side for you? Yeah, I think the the one there's one guy that I, I like in this group uh, above the group, and that's uh, Keone Cavaco. Um, yeah, I, I think this there's one thing you're watching with Cavaco, and that's the hit tool. If the hit tool comes around, the rest is there. It just it's whether he can swing the bat 
well enough to to stick at the major league level because the power is going to be there. The defensive side should be good enough to stick at the major league level. It's really just going to come down to whether we can keep that average north of 260. That's really what you're watching for. So you're going to want to see 280, 285 in the minors is what you're going to be watching for. But the tools are there. Like if you're investing in a 19-year-old, that's going to be cheaper than some of these other guys. Like this might be a sneaky guy that nobody's really paying attention to yet. So if you're targeting a way off kind of guy, which we all know I love to do, um, this is the kind of guy that I would look at. Jordan Walker, for me, was one of my favorite picks in the, in the draft last year. Uh, I, I think he has to build into the frame, but I think when he does, he is going to be an absolute monster. I'm concerned with him as a third baseman. I think he just screams outfield. Um, on the profile, big, long, lanky kid. Uh, I think I think he's going to be an outfielder, but I love just the really smooth first move on his swing. So between those two guys, that's the ones I'm targeting. But if I really need a third baseman, I think Cavaco is going to be the guy that sticks. Yeah, I like what you said there. Uh, Quintana is another guy that I think is interesting as well as Mojica uh, mm-hmm. with Pittsburgh. But we those guys are suffering from not getting at bats at the end of 19 in pro ball and not getting a 2020 season so uh an astute dynasty player can make some really bad mistakes at this time of the year and just look for the name brand guys but as ty has just you know alluded to you can look a little deeper and look for some guys that maybe they don't have the stat lines that are shining just yet um we, we all know what happened with nolan gorman right he signed he went and like destroyed at rookie ball and then come fantasy draft season for everybody that drafts in the offseason nolan gorman i mean we saw a tie two years ago in the league he went first overall in the draft mm-hmm. and it's a power bat with you know concerns here and there and those guys won't exist right now that that nobody jumped up the draft chart after the 2020 draft because they didn't get to play i mean may, maybe garrett crochet did for some people and in points leagues because you think okay he's going to play but other than that you didn't get to see anything so here's a couple guys that you know you got to do the deeper dives and depending on when your league draft is do your homework um their value basically just froze and if your league played this year their value went down because everybody's looking at the new guys that came in so maybe you've got a second or third round draft pick and somebody like i don't know quintana whoever it is that you might like that might fit your roster better could be a one-for-one trade um and really it there are lotto picks when they haven't had professional at bats because you need to know what's going to happen when they have a wood bat for some of these guys. So moving now into the sixties, um, Raynell Delgado with Cleveland. Cleveland's got a lot of younger guys, a lot Their of fillers. Gross. Yeah. There's just, it's a matter of where are they going to play and how are they going to do, but we're going to throw a lot of names here. Uh, Raynell Delgado, 20 year old, uh, Rio Ruiz, former, uh, Oriole, I think that's right. 26 year old waiting to figure out where he goes. Mikel Franco with Kansas city at 66, Matty Theus with the angels. Uh, this is a choice we made to move him off first base. Cause we weren't really sure what was going to go on. Uh, looks like, you know, Jared Walsh and they got another guy in with the angels. That's looking like they're battling for first. So Matty Theus is looking at more of a bench role right now, but guys still 24, 25 has a shot at 64. Jake lamb. Uh, I think Lamb's a free agent. I haven't had him here in Arizona. I know that's not right. I thought he was arbitration in Oakland. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I knew he had moved. So, okay, so I'll just – I'll punch him in. So, we'll have him at Oakland if we're wrong. Let us know. Uh, Jose Ozuna with Pittsburgh. Nope, free agent. You're right. Free agent? Okay. Uh, all for not. And I know you – I mean, really, that out. It, <laughs> Yeah, hits, it's Jake Lamb. <laughs> against one, one side of the plate anyway, so. 
and when he's lucky, because uh, coach has to put him in. So <laughs> um, he needs to be in the NL where he can pinch it. That's where he needs to be. As long as that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> also for them, uh, it's 62. We got Johan Camargo with Atlanta, 61. Evan Longoria will be 35, I think, when this season starts. And at 60, we've got Nick Reddy with Miami. Nick Reddy is an interesting prospect. There's only two technical prospects on this little chunk here for us, Ty. And I don't think Nick Reddy is anything special. We didn't get to see what he could do this year, but he's somebody that we had on the charts last year. Um, for us, he was in the mid fifties just because we didn't do as deep of a list. And then this year he's finding himself in the late fifties and we need to see what's going on with Miami. I, I don't know. Is there really much to say about this list? This is just a bunch of filler. This is exactly the, the struggle when you make these lists in my mind, uh, you get a bunch of guys who are going to get at bats over time and they can provide some value. It's just, is it worthy of starting? No, not a single one of these guys should be starting for you. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, these, these are guys that you're plugging and playing if you have to, and that's, I mean, there's really not a lot of point to dive into it. I do think Camargo is better than what people think he is because they consistently keep putting guys in front of him. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy that could go play in say Pittsburgh and break out. Like, I, I just think he's one of those guys that has been buried a little bit more than he deserves to be. I, I think there's a good ball player in there. Um, maybe not a 162 type guy, but definitely better than where he is on this list. And I, I had him ranked a lot higher because of that. I, I do think that he will find some time this year because they have still have some pretty severe question marks at third base in Atlanta. Yeah, so, yeah, there definitely isn't anything settled. It's just a matter of what kind of a return are you going to get on him. And like you just said, you know, they keep throwing guys in front. And the offseason's not over with Atlanta. There are there are places, uh, or sorry, there are free agents that that need places to play for next season. So now we're breaking in the top top 50 here. 59, we've got, sorry, the 50, 59 through 50 is uh, Jake Berger, Chicago White Sox, 23-year-old, a uh, couple injury-riddled seasons, which just put on the 40-man, did some good things in the fall league. The minor bit of scouting that was available to us is the reason why he finds himself here when we know Chicago's got Moncada up higher. Uh, we got Miguel Vargas with the Dodgers, 20-year-old, big bat. Uh, I, I like Vargas. We can talk about it. And if, if, if you think it's worthy, Ty 57, Todd Frazier, free agent. This is one of those guys that I just dislike because he just keeps landing places and taking at bats away from people. Um, 56, Nolan Gorman with St. Louis. 55, we've got Christian Arroyo, who's still eligible with Boston. I think it's arbitration, whatever it is. He's, he's a Red Sox bench bat at the moment. Harold Castro with Detroit, the 26-year-old. Uh, Abraham Toro with Houston at 53. Uh, a higher air. Well, how do I pronounce that one? Right. Adria Zah. <laughs> Eight, Where, 52. Yeah, no. Good luck, man. Yeah. Thank you. That's why Ty doesn't mind when I rhyme them off. Um, the guy from Minnesota, you know, Ad, <laughs> Adria Zana, Adria Zana, Adrianza. George Costanza. going to be playing in the big leagues for very long anyway, <laughs> but right. no, I think he's okay. But uh, he's 52 for us. 51 is Ryan Velade with Colorado, another prospect. And then at 50, we have Tristan English with Arizona English, I think was a second or third round pick in 19, uh, you know, seemed like a toolsy guy from the reports we've, we've got things look good for him. So anyway, Ty, between 59 and 50, is there a guy here if you had to take one? We've at least got more prospects kicking around with this group. 
Well, Vargas is interesting because he's going to be Rule 5 eligible uh, next season. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, no, in, tw- in 22. And I'd be curious to see if the Dodgers have room for him by then. So I think he might be a guy that moves potentially this year if they need to shore up that bullpen. Might be a scenario that that he's the kind of guy that would be available. Uh, the, the thing that scares me the most, and this scares me with a lot of prospects, when you see a 60 rank on a hit tool at high A, that scares me. I'm not, I'm not ready to sign off on guys like that, that they've made a decision that this guy's got a major league hit tool right. at low A or high A like that. Those are always the guys I'm most concerned with because the power speed fielding are all average, right? They're all like 50, 45, like nothing elite. The hit tool is the only thing elite with Vargas. So I, I would think like if somebody like you, Robbie came and asked me for Vargas, I'd probably move on him. Uh, I just, I think there's a low likelihood he becomes a long-term pro. Uh, could be wrong there. Um, but the rest of this group is very ho-hum. I know we've we've been into uh, Christian Arroyo um, on and off, you and I. You you like him a little bit better than I do. I just don't see how Boston has him ahead of, of um, Michael Chavis. I just don't right. see how that yeah. – I don't see how that works. Like you're talking about a guy that has done literally nothing. Um, Chavis definitely has an adjustment to make, but – I think that's one of the buy low candidates. I've talked about him already. Um, Nolan Gorman, I my rank looks like I hate Nolan Gorman. I, I've got him way down. I just I'm looking at St. Louis traditionally moving guys slower in their system. I'm looking at who's ahead of them already. Like St. Louis doesn't have a need for an infielder, right? They've got Edmund, they've got DeYoung, they've got Goldschmidt. So there's probably three years minimum before we see Gorman. So he really needs to go out and light the world on fire or the DH has to be installed for him to move faster than that. So you keep in mind that there's still lots of depths. Like we haven't seen Lane Thompson yet or Thomas yet. We haven't seen uh, Herrera yet, right? There's, there's a lot of bats to go around in that St. Louis lineup. And I, I don't know that Gorman has as clear a path as his talent suggests he should. So that's why I have him as far down. I'd like to move him up in future years. I, I just, I'm not there yet. Yeah. We've got about a 48 point difference in our ranking here um, between the two guys. So uh, just, just for clarification. Yeah, so we ended up in the middle with us. I've got him at 29 tie at 77. And I mean, that's what happens, right? When we look at the depth chart, which is an important factor when you're making these decisions in dynasty, you've got to know, can you count on him, right? What's your window, depending on your league, if you are a contracts league, you have different stipulations that you yourself as the manager need to run your team on. You know, I made a trade the other day that was uh, glass now and Danny Diaz, who's an 18, 19 year old Boston Red Sox who went from like six foot one seventy to six, four two forty, And I'm like, okay, he's going to be too big to play baseball. Let's make a trade. And I traded him. I ended up getting one, three in the upcoming uh, rookie draft. And I got a, uh, um, Luis Garcia, who I, with Washington second baseman, I'm happy to take a chance on those two guys because I only had one year less left to glass. Now, if your leagues are set up that way, Gorman might not fit your mold right now. You know, his, his value as a trade asset might be far greater than his return can be to you over the next three years. Like Ty said, things don't look good in St. Louis. Like they're going to open the doors for him and he'll be knocking like early 2022. And That's the other not thing- necessary. The other yeah. thing to consider on that is really like, if you look at where St. Louis is at as an organization, like, there's an impending rebuild coming here, right? So unless they go out and spend a couple hundred million dollars in one of these off seasons, 
they're they're a ways away from being um a good contender right like they got in last year on some veteran experience some veterans that pitched well i i think they're they're still a couple pieces away from being a contender and then when you look towards the two three-year window goldschmidt's done uh wainwright's done molina's probably already done in st louis Right. Like in all of a sudden Wainwright could be done too. Like the, yeah. he's a free agent also, but yes, I yeah, I think Wainwright's more likely to come back in St. Louis because they need the pitching than I Molina. Agree. Um, but at that point, but that's my point though, is that there's, there's going to be a downside. And when that happens, just ask Ryan Mountcastle, how that feels, you're going to get buried in the minors. A touch longer. <laughs> so that's where I'm hesitant with Gorman is I just don't think he's going to move as quickly as people think. And and again, not getting to play pro ball last year, that hurts a guy like Gorman Absolutely. who needs to prove himself. You know, there are highly touted prospects in every organization who were affected in a negative way last year. Even if you were on the 60 man, it doesn't mean much because all you were getting to do was get eyes on you from guys, uh, you know, your instructors and whomever that were playing games with you. Like we know how it was going with Seattle because they posted stuff. The Red Sox posted things. So you got to see there were coaches playing positions yeah. to fill out rosters. That's not going to count towards somebody being amazing at what they're doing at the dish or in the field. Well, it's all just bits and bobs. We need and, some stats. We need some selection at levels for guys to make good informed decisions going forward. And yeah, Gorman, I guess is obviously a polarizing guy for us. It's probably the biggest rank switch for us too. For sure. Right. And the other thing too, is like you see shortstops move all the time quickly because they provide a very different value, right. On the defensive side, like Gorman's a very, average defender at best right so it's not as if he brings that defensive side to the field to move him even faster to justify the learning on the offensive side right so if, if you were to move gorman too quick he ends up being a you know the guy in atlanta austin riley right like that's the kind of guy gorman kind of profiles as which we will discuss yes. the good or the bad in that with riley so moving inside the top 50 now 49 tie france Former Padre now with Seattle. Looks like he's got um, an outside shot at some decent playing time. Uh, as Dribble Cabrera, current free agent, possibly re-signing and taking at bats away from people in Washington. <laughs> I don't see why they wouldn't do that again to some of those poor boys. Uh, Hudson Potts with Boston uh, at 47. Uh, Dow Lugo with Detroit. Looks like he's going to be stealing at bats for a little bit. Reese Hines, prospect with the Reds at 45. Carter Keyboom with uh, Washington at 44. Miguel Geraldo with Toronto, a much lesser known prospect, but starting that rise now, I'm sure by midseason, he will have established himself across all fantasy formats as somebody who's on the rise with Toronto at 43. At 42, uh, Shirt and Apostle with Texas. 41, Colin Moran with Pittsburgh, who it looks as though Pittsburgh is moving him around, possibly converting to an outfielder. So there's value there, but it's not high stakes impact fantasy value. He is, you know, the definition of a roster filler for you. And multi-position guys, the deeper your league, the, the more they can help you out. And then at 40, we've got the big bopper prospect in Boston, Tristan Casas, the 20, 21 year old uh, with the Red Sox, who again, Ty, I think falls into that same category as Geraldo. If you didn't know by midseason, once we get more pro ball kicking around, you're going to know who these guys are. Um, there's there's a good amount of prospects here. You know, Reese Hines is somebody with Cincinnati that I I really like the, the opportunity for him, but I don't like the organization. Kind of like we talked about Colorado prospects in another Dynasty Rank show 
Um, sometimes the organization can help you. You know, there's a lot of fluctuation in Arizona that's going on. So positions are available. Miami doesn't have sure bets around the infield. Uh, Cincinnati in theory doesn't have sure bets, but they just keep adding MLB players or veterans or like guys who should be 25th and 26th man on other team. And they just steal at bats from guys. So Reese Hines, you know, in two years, end of 2022, hundred percent should be an MLB third baseman. It's just a matter of what Cincinnati going to do with them. Yeah. And I, and I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I was going to make the Colorado comment on resides as well. I, I think there's a, a, another depth issue there. So unless he somehow learns how to play shortstop, I think he's going to have a tough, tough time finding a spot on that infield as well. So um, I completely agree uh, on that one. Um, there's Keyboom, you know, is we've talked about him a lot already. I don't need to yeah, that's why I, more than I've yeah. already done. Uh, Geraldo, I'm with you. Like, Geraldo is sneaky. Like, if you look at the scouting reports on Geraldo, like, you've got peaks of 55 on the hit tool, uh, raw powers at 55, and then speed out or fielding and throwing are meh with just a 40 plus future value, right? Like, for me, that's not accurate. Like, from what I've seen with my own eyes and from what I've heard and read, uh, this kid is a sneaky, sneaky prospect, like barrels up everything. So those are the kind of guys you want to look for. Like the guys that barrel things up throughout the minors, um, they might not be as prodigious on the batting average, or they might not hit many home runs. Like this is a line drive guy. So, you know, think about Vladimir Guerrero, like everyone's expecting him to all of a sudden add some launch angle. This is a kid that's a couple years behind development wise on a similar trajectory, right? Like he had seven home runs in 19. I think you'll see that number continually tick up as he comes up through the minors. Like this is a guy that, you know, unfortunately in Toronto is going to get buried because their infield depth is gross, uh, much like Cleveland's that we talked about. But this is a guy that I think profiles to be traded. So don't wait for him to get traded and jump into to another team's top 10 prospect line. Like you might be able to get him as a throw in, in trades at this point. So if he would be an interesting flyer. I don't know that he's a lock by any means, but a really good lottery ticket, I think. And one of the interesting things, depending on where where else you, our listeners, are getting your prospect information, you will see a lot of guys drafted in the last two years, the 19 and 20 drafts, who are college uh, hitters, college pitchers, who have jumped in front of Geraldo, although they haven't had any great success or failures it's just a matter of the fact that they're older and by default a lot of writers tend to say oh it's a college guy so we're just going to give him the nod over the international guy based on what we've seen from the international guy so far so sometimes when a player doesn't come over until you know age 18 19 they're they're behind in theory but they've still been working on all those raw tools they just need the professional coaching whereas the college players probably have a lower ceiling when you get into guys outside the third, fourth rounds in those drafts, but they sign them. So I think somebody like Geraldo could climb just as Ty described. It's just a matter of maybe taking your chances now. Um, don't try to make him the headliner of your trade. Try to include him as an extra piece, but really he's kind of your target in trades. And there are a ton of guys like that as we go through, especially next month with the prospects, uh, depending on when you're listening to us, some of those episodes might be out already. Uh, you want in now on prospects that will shoot up. And then there are a million people out there writing 
the some of the worst dynasty content we have seen <laughs> uh, you know they'll write a list and say like this is the projected list and i mean we saw a what was it a second base list and they had uh hansung kim who's like a shortstop and he's on the second base list and people were saying why would you put him on you know he's 25 well if the guy's a prospect the guy's a prospect if you're a fantasy player and he's available in your draft he is but don't yeah. put a shortstop or somebody who's rated as a shortstop, who's only played shortstop as a second baseman. Don't don't put you know an outfielder who in at a corner because you think that that's where they're going to go. Let's see some evidence of it. So if you got Geraldo in at you know first third base, that's where you want to try to target him to develop further. Now, as Ty's mentioned with other guys, if you think they're going to move to the outfield, that's good to know. But we see people who are like kind of sticking their necks out there, trying to be the high guy on this guy or ahead of the curve. And there's a lot of bad information out there, which is why we take all of the time and do all the work for you to help you to make those smart decisions. So, well, and in case this is the guy that I wanted to hit on before we jumped on, like, please, this is one of my fastest movers at the position in my mind. Um, I don't like that he's in Boston because screw the Red Sox, but um, at the end of the day, like, this is a guy that I think is going to be on everybody's radar this season. So, like, the, absolutely, we've, talk, we've talked about those buy now guys, like, this is a guy not to wait on. If you want to get him, like the owner should be wise to him already, but if he's not like, you might not have too much more time before he really flies up draft boards everywhere. Yeah. The deeper the league you're in, the higher his value I think is going to be because teams and those owners are just going to covet the potential, even though, like Ty said, screw the Red Sox. Also you got Devers there. Um, we know the defense isn't going to be the reason that Devers is the third baseman. And, you know, Boston's got a bunch of toolsy, not toolsy, wrong word a bunch of guys who are supposed to be bat first guys who could really crowd that infield over the next few years. And cases is going to need to come in and kind of move somebody aside much like the signing of Carlos Santana to the Royals has moved Hunter Dozier, our 39th ranked guy. Um, he was ranked somewhere in the mid twenties for us last year in first base. We've moved him now over to third base. And this is where Dozier looks like he's going to set up for the Royals as well. We've got prospect Brett Batty with the Mets. Uh, also prospect with the Mets, Mark Vientos, one in front of him at 37, 36, Yaro Munez with St. Louis, Josh Jung, the 19 first round pick with Texas at 35, 34, Sheldon Noyce, 25 uh, year old with Oakland, Isaac Paredes with Detroit, a 21 year old in at 33, Colton Welker with Colorado prospect in at 32, Cody Hoist, hey, uh, that's Cody Jose uh, in at 31 with the Dodgers. And then at 30 is Gio Urshela with the Yankees. Urshela is like the primo case for us of somebody who can be thrown away in dynasty leagues one year and kicked around the next year as a waiver guy. And all of a sudden, you know, boom, he's helping somebody win a championship. You know, the smart waiver wire players are out getting the Gio Urshelas of the world, the um, uh, Dylan Moores of the world that, kind of come out of nowhere because they've been kicking around and uh isaiah kind of falifa falafa who we'll be discussing shortly another one of those guys that's kind of forgotten um urshela is the one prominent major leaguer on here who i think has some questions hunter dozier i think ty's just going to go over and play some below average third base and you know in a roto league he's a safe bet kind of bench guy you know if he gets on a hot streak cool yeah, I mean, the sneaky guy in this section for me um, is is definitely Jung. Um, I, I think he jumped up a lot of boards this year because basically they cleared out Texas, right? Like there's potentially, what, Elvis Andres left on that infield? 
right? Uh, like and well, and they're, they're talking now about uh, Gallo's got two years left. I know he, he moved to outfield, but um, is now the time to move Gallo, right? And and it's exactly what you said. They're clearing the deck. They're gonna they're gonna give guys at bats. Yeah. So I think for me, that's that's one that's gonna move quick. So if you're looking at like some of these prospects that are coming, like he's one of the ones to pay attention to. But Yarrow Munoz, sneaky little pickup by the Red Sox last year. If you remember. Uh, oh, sorry. Munoz, I said St. Louis. My fault. I sorry. Yeah, that's okay. No, he, he left St. Louis in spring yeah. training. Remember he quit. He pulled the old, um, I don't get to play. I'm leaving nonsense. Um, Boston picked it. him up to put Team him in player. left field. <laughs> and I think he's going to have some at-bats in that outfield. And, you know, much like I got excited about, um, what's his face last year, uh, Peraza filling in for the Red Sox. I think Munoz could fit a similar role, that Brock Holt utility role for the Red Sox, which you don't have to do a lot except for get the barrel out front and hit fly balls off the monster, right? So a guy like Munoz that doesn't have prominent power is and has some speed, has the ability to just be pull happy off the wall and stretch doubles all day, right? So you know, he, a really small sample size, had an 800 and something OPS, I believe, hit 300, yeah. right, in, in the final Just seemed like a good season. fit. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. like, this is not a guy that was supposed to be a bum coming up in St. Louis. Like, he, he was a fairly reasonably touted prospect. So I, I think there's still some upside there. Like, if you're looking for a sneaky depth piece, that is going to give you probably a couple positions this year. Munoz is a guy, good guy to look at in the in this group. Who knows Isaac Paredes? That's the one I'm struggling with, but I do think, I do think he's going to get some at bats. Like I think they're going to give him some, some at bats on the left side in Detroit this year, because we talk about another guy that's moving to the other side. So there's still a window here between Torkelson at all kind of getting there, and he still could be a shortstop at some level here for the Tigers. And the one thing that I think a lot of people are forgetting in Detroit specifically, because, and, you know, we're, we're going to discuss the next, or, you know, two impact guys with that organization shortly. But if a, if a prospect or an MLB or take a ball off the hands and break something, that's three to six weeks of their at bats that can become available or of their development that is halted. And that can be the cause for a team to not push that player back it can also cause that player a ton of discomfort rest of season so it's not that anybody wants anything bad to happen but when some people are like oh you know like this guy's going to be up by the end of the next season well he was just drafted you know the the major league team is going to want to see him in professional ball they're going to want to see what he can do and if it doesn't align with what the team is doing right like we talk a lot about it with control and stuff every major league team does not want the same core group of players all to come up within that same arbitration year or two. They want to spread it out because they need to spread out the money. You don't all of a sudden want to have everybody entering like their fourth and fifth years of arbitration, which we now know is safely going to be 10 plus million dollars for a lot of guys. And then salaries start jumping. You know, they're it's, it's in Detroit's best intent or sorry, it's, it's best for them to delay some guys like we heard Toronto doing, you know, a year ago, whatever it was 19. Um, that's, that might very well happen. Uh, Baltimore is one of those crappy ex teams that seem to have done it. But then last year they brought Mountcastle up when they had nothing to win. Yeah. Right. Well, they, they just, they say, brought him up. I would say too, with, uh, Paredes, like, uh, if I'm comparing this somebody like Miguel Cairo is a guy that comes to mind, like a little bit of a, an unathletic guy that just plays the corner and does his job with the bat. Right. And, and that's just sometimes what you need 
on a fantasy team is a guy that's just going to give you a flat output, right? And I have a couple guys in this this category, 30 in, in through the, the high teens, that Rob doesn't. And for me, that's he likes to go for those little bit of Augusto picks in the in this category where my my ranks are almost always in this group going to be full of the guys that you can probably lean on for a couple of years to give you a little bit of consistency, but nothing elite. Right. So um, I think Paredes is that guy like he has the hit tool. Uh, the power is limited and it's even more limited in Detroit. But I do think he's the kind of guy that's just going to go out and get at bats and, and do his job. And again, that's a valuable guy in Dynasty. So my high guy in that was Colton Welker uh, with Colorado. Now, I mean, again, we need to see what's going to go on. And we do know, of course, there is an elite third baseman in Colorado already. For you, d- right? Well, you don't sell on a guy in, in Dynasty if you don't know what's going to happen with them. And with Colton Welker, I certainly wouldn't be selling him because like Ty just mentioned, we, we could very well see the other guy move. There's already talks, you know, obviously it's Arenado talks about him, maybe going to the Mets or other things. So um, move now inside our, our top 20 here, 29, we've got Jonathan India, the primary future third baseman with the Reds uh, resigns one behind him, but India uh, in there, Nick Solik with Texas got some at bats. Finally, last year, looks like he's going to be a regular MLB for years to come. Tyler Nevin, former uh, Rocky, now Baltimore Oriole, uh, Yandy Diaz with Tampa Bay weird year for him last year, but again, not a full season. So it's hard to make proper judgment on what's going to happen moving forward. If he's going to be a starter, if he's going to be a bench bat, move around uh, 25, Isaiah kind of had that great spring training. All of a sudden, everybody started to kind of, you know, be interested NFBC redraft owners uh, or play, sorry, players started to think more about him. I had cut him in the off season in a league that I'm paying for him this year to not be on my team. And uh, he would have helped me out a little bit last year, but again, did not have some kind of kind of dynamite breakthrough. It's okay. 24. We've got Nolan Jones with Cleveland door could certainly be opening for him over the next couple seasons. 23 Hanser Alberto. I think Alberto was also not re-signed by Baltimore, but the potentials there. Yes. I believe that. Cause there were two guys. Yeah. Brian Anderson with Miami comes in at 22, which that's a little high for me, but then here let's correct Kyle Seeger coming in at 21 with Seattle. And for Ty would say, you know, that's a little high for him. Uh, and then finally at 20, we've got Jordan Groshans, a, you know, hopefully impactful third baseman for the Jays insert date that he comes up here. We both have them ranked in the the mid, mid to high 20s. So on this list here, Ty, I mean, I like the idea of India coming up at the end of this season. I, he's going to need some heavy at bats. I could see Tyler Nevin making an impact with Baltimore. Yandy Diaz could solidify himself. Uh, Isaiah kind of Felipe could do the same thing with Tampa Bay. Nolan Jones is the guy on this list. I see getting the least at bats in the group. Uh, where are you on the, this? Like kind sorry, of interesting. Who did you say group. was the least at bats in the group? Nolan Jones, I think. Interesting. Oh, okay. sorry. I'm not counting Groshans in that crew. I think, I think Groshans will have probably him and Jones might struggle to combine for 50 at bats. See, I, I think Nolan Jones will be up this season. Really? Okay. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I think we'll see Nolan Jones this season. Um, big. So you don't big. think he's going to produce as much then? That's interesting because we both have him ranked within one. <laughs> I, I just I don't trust Cleveland on the corner infields right now. Like honestly, okay. I trust them to develop up the middle, right? Like or speed speed four or five tool type guys. They just like when's the last time they've developed a power bat? Like honestly, 
Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's been a while. And also in Cleveland, we know that that first base situation is murky. So I guess the possibility exists that Jones could, yeah, but we third, know it's going right? to be like Ramirez could still play second, right? You don't need Ramirez to play third, which is everyone's just assuming okay. he's going to play third, right? So right. yeah, primary I, position. I, I, and I agree. He probably should play third, but I think the reality is like, if you're talking about how to make that team better, like getting Nolan Jones on that roster makes them better. I would like to see it. So I, I yeah. would happily be wrong. And that would certainly increase my ranking. And, and I just thing, feel he'll be impactful when he's up. And the thing that makes Nolan Jones a really interesting prospect, the power is obvious, right? Like maybe the best power bat in the minors, arguably. Um, but he has a really good, he has the plate discipline to go with it, right? Which you don't see a lot with this level of power. So that's why I like him. I think he's going to move quicker. I, I wanted to rank him higher, honestly. I just don't know where Cleveland's at. And that's the only reason I didn't put him up a couple spots higher. Um, the rest of this group, I think Tef, or Tyler Nevins in the same category. I think he might also start uh, this season. I think he could be a surprise guy in Baltimore yeah. because, you know, he's not elite. So like, those are kind of usually the guys that get thrown under the bus a little bit. Right. Yep. So give him I a see, shot. What do we have to lose? Exactly. Right. Because he's still years away. You don't want to be good. And you want to see if you got a diamond in the rough with Nevin. Um, I think Solek's a buy low candidate. I've got him a lot higher than you do. Um, this is still a first round guy that that was a high level prospect for the Rangers in a, in a somewhat empty system, to be fair. But um, I, I don't think he's outside the top 30 at this point. And I think you can buy him for outside the top 40 right now. And I did and have I, him higher last year, Ty. Yep, yeah. And, I did. and you know, back. I had him. I had him right where I have him this year, right where you had him last year, which is exactly where I had him last year. So I literally <laughs> haven't moved Solak. Um, so that's that's funny enough. Uh, the one guy I'm not in on in this group is Jonathan India. I I'm not a believer. Um, hmm. I I just don't think he's the guy that everybody thinks he is. And if you look towards the back end of his minor league career, the numbers aren't overly exciting. Like he, you know, 2019. Um, had 11 home runs, 259, but just a 767 OPS. And so I have some major concerns as to whether he can stick at the major league level. And you haven't heard a, a lot about Jonathan India, which usually is a very bad sign. Okay. Oh, sorry. I just saw that you had added um, Riley, who we're going to talk about. But yeah, I, when we get there, I can explain it. It's Yeah. Sorry, type. Um, I get it. It's, it's an interesting, like, like Solik Nevin, I'm, I'm with you on all the possibilities with those guys. Um, I, I just think that India is going to come up and he's just going to get it done. And I'm certainly hoping that Cincinnati is far more competitive this year than they were last year. Cause that was a big letdown. Um, a team that was supposed to mash and they couldn't produce runs. I mean, we saw it in Toronto when, you know, what it seemed like uh, for what a year and a half or two years, whenever Dickie was on the mound, uh, he would give up four or five runs the first, you know, inning, two innings, and then settle in. And the team was never coming back and getting him back into those games, but he was, you know, throwing those innings. So you don't want to see that, that type of a team where, or sorry, that type of a, a roster where they're adding the runs after when it doesn't count, you want the competitive teams who every run counts and it you know, really increases the adrenaline on the bench. India could be one of those guys where maybe in the minors, he's not getting the great stat line, but he's doing what the organization's wanting him to do. Maybe he's working on an off speed, um, you know, hitting, hitting this or doing that. And that's, that's what I believe. I believe he's got that true talent. So um, moving here, we've got 19 through to 10. We've got 
Spencer Torkelson, former first round or whatever, first round pick in the 2020 draft from Detroit. Uh, Bobby Dahl back in at 18. Eduardo Escobar with Arizona in at 17. Then we've got Austin Riley and Miguel Andujar. They're tied at 16. We'll discuss. 15, we've got Justin Turner, free agent, former Dodger. Uh, Key Brian Hazen at 14 with Pittsburgh. Chris Bryan at 13. Jamar Candelario in at 12 with Detroit. 11, Eugenio Suarez. And then we will get into the top 10. So uh, clear it up first. Riley is a future third baseman. I have him. He's in our outfield rank. So Ty, you had moved him over. So we can certainly discuss him. He'll also come up in the outfield ranks just because we're not convinced that this is where he's going to be. Yes, this is the logical thing for him now, but we need to, you know, for sure see what's going to go on. There really doesn't seem to be room in Atlanta's outfield for Austin Riley moving forward. And then uh, Andujar, I had not applicable, I believe, because he was first base DH last year. So he ended up at 16 based on Ty's ranking, which is totally fine. Uh, Miguel Andujar needs to reset the clock for himself. Uh, he was He's a young guy. I think he's 25 for this year, 26. Came out of nowhere in 18. Strug- I think it was 18 struggles. And then uh, injury riddled 19 in 20 just a wonky year for him so looking for a big reset there justin turner we need to see where he's going to go but i mean this is just a reliable bat right this is the kind of vet that you can go out right now when he's a free agent and you can get him for way less than he will be worth in season uh, aj pollock's another perfect example of a guy like this where the value just wasn't there because he's 30 or over unsure when he's a free agent where he's going to go so you can go and approach in dynasty leagues and I, if I had him, I wouldn't be trading him until I knew where he went. But if you come up and blow my socks off with somebody that I think is going to be more valuable over the next five years, I'm going to make that deal. But Justin Turner can provide a lot of value the next couple of years. Uh, Key Brian Hayes, I think, is a really interesting guy in Pittsburgh. We need to see the rest of that Pittsburgh infield to know what's really going to happen there. And of course, Chris Bryant, like the great unknown, right? He could be the best third baseman the next five years, and it could be in a landslide but he could also end up like 40th and within four years, he might even be, you know, a bench bat somewhere. It's, Oh, it's been such a, a weird time moving parts there for sure. Yeah. And I mean, for me, Chris Bryant's the most frustrating guy on the list. Cause I value him so much higher than I could put him, you know, like I just, I want him to be better, but I can't trust that he's going to be because his best season was his sophomore year league MVP. Right. And, from that point, it's just been a decline. So uh, who do you want to talk about here? Torkelson, we don't have the info, really. Like, yeah, ML, like pro ball I, info. I so. was going to say, like, you can't even talk about Torkelson until he hits with a wood bat, right? Like, this is the guy that was prodigious with aluminum bats. Like, I mean, uh, cool. until I see wood bat, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care. Um, Groshans, I'm going to make an interesting statement here. I like Groshans to be the best hitter in Toronto's minor league system right now. Um, I, I think he's really polished and he has the power to go with it. I think he's going to move quicker. And, and the, the statement is that I think he's going to reach the pros before Austin Martin. And, and I know no one agrees with me on that one because everyone's like, Oh, Austin Martin's just going to naturally play center field. Listen, he has to learn a different position, right? Like that's just not how that goes. Uh, I don't think Toronto's going to rush a guy that they stole in the draft. And, and I think Groshans is going to start with an aggressive, triple a setup this year i think he's ready for it 
Um, and, and it I would think, be nice if they put him there. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, and he was in the 60 man camp last year, right? So like he had a bats against major league pitching, right? So it's not as if he's not going to have some level of competency at that level. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just think he's a lot better than most lists have him. Um, and he was an absolute steal by Toronto back in what 17 or 16, whenever we got him um, out of high school. Really, really great find for it the was Jays. Tim and Kloffenstein, right? They were the one two pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same okay. high school buddies. Yeah, the yeah, whole thing. Like 18. Caboodle. Yep. So there was obviously some uh, contract negotiations that were were happening behind the scenes with those two. But um, Delbeck's a guy that the power is so tantalizing. Like it, it, you want to be excited about Bobby Delbeck because he, he has the, uh, the Billy bean, right? He has the look he has, he has, (laughs) he's the guy that just is naturally expected to be a monster. Um, I, I still have concerns about consistency. Like could be a guy that lights the world on fire for 10 games and then disappears for 20. Um, I, well, Boston's already got a third baseman that does that. Exactly. Right. And, and this guy has power. It's there. Like it's very, very real. I just, I have concerns about sustainability with Delbeck. I want to, he's, he's like Bryant for me. Like I want to put him so much higher. I just, I can't do it with the small sample we have. And he fits the the profile of what I mentioned a little while ago with Tyler Nevin, which is the guy that is never going to be elite, but could find his way if we just let him learn. And I think that's what they're doing with Delbeck, a very similar player to, to Tyler Nevin. Um, so I, that's what I'm excited about with him. Austin Riley, I threw in at 16 and a half because we, I wanted him on the third base one. I think he's going to be a third baseman. I, yeah. I don't think he can play left field consistently. Um, he was obviously blocked uh, before with Donaldson, and I think he's going to be there. Andahar is, is only an injury-plagued season removed from um a rookie shocking yeah Yeah, shocking people yeah like he was a rookie of the year candidate two years ago and what i really like about andahar and i've watched a lot of tape on andahar is he's very much a vlad guerrero senior type where see ball hit ball those guys just find their way right you can't scout for those guys uanis cespedes was a guy like that um there's just they're, they're hard to pitch to and andahar can do a lot of things the power is there he can play third or second and I, I'm interested to see whether New York's actually serious about bringing LeMahieu back. Well, and they threw like the Yankees threw him in left field for a little bit last year. Now he didn't play much. Um, what was it? Seven. I think it was seven games when I was, when I did it, I put him as an NA cause I, w- I figured we just have him as a DH mention, not necessarily a ranking spot because the year before he only played in 12 games four at third base and then eight at DH. And then last year, 2020, he had six at third, seven in left and seven at DH. So, you know, sprinkling it around. But again, like Ty just said, this, this, this is a guy who in 18 broke in 136 games, third base, saved the Yankees bacon, right? This was when everybody in with the Yankees was getting hurt at different times. And like, you know, cause that was when Tulo came in and a whole bunch of do. And anyway, they just made it work with guys like Andor, but it doesn't mean his skill set's gone. It doesn't mean anything's crappy with him. He's just a forgotten man. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm not, I'm not, upset at all with that and one of the just a quick comment so both riley and candelario played at other positions more the last two seasons so 2019 and 2020 combined riley was in our outfield um episode we've discussed him here so 
we haven't recorded that one yet, so we'll take them off that. This is going to be as mentioned here. And then Candelario, we mentioned in this versus first base because he has played more third base the last season and a half or whatever, 19 and 20 combined. He played a little bit more at third base. So we thought we'd discuss that as well as what's up with Torkelson rather than just move him over to first base where, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more of an intriguing conversation for us when he's a third base first first base option here. So absolutely, um, yeah. And Candelario yeah. is a guy that you know I, I was harping on at the beginning of last season as a guy that would break out. He he lost a little bit of my faith early in in the half of twenty twenty season, but then earned it right back down the stretch in a big big way. So I, I I like what's here. Like I think he can still be a very valuable guy. Um, in in the guy that Detroit acquired when they got him. Um, so I, I think he's underappreciated in almost every format right now. Still in the off season tie. I'm still doing some mock drafts, uh, one through the ITL army and, uh, he went North of three thirty in that yeah. 15 teamer. So people are still out, out on Candelario right now. Now the dynasty game, we all know we're dynasty players. It's a little bit different for us, right? We're not as quick trigger on selling a guy, but doesn't mean you can't go and make make a play because even when you look at a stat line now, it's not amazing. It's it's just his career best. So, Absolutely. Um, but here, so we can go in now. Top ten, everybody. Exciting news. These are all going to be the names you're familiar with. It's just where they ended up being ranked for us. And we've got Matt Chapman with Oakland at ten. Uh, you know, we know the pluses and the minuses with Chapman. It's just a matter of what are we going to see reasonably over the next five years. And I think it's just a steady road for Chapman. He's got power, whether he's in Oakland or elsewhere. It's going to play uh, nine with Donaldson, Minnesota, 34 entering this year for days. Yeah. These these next couple, these next couple have a bunch of swagger mixed. Oh, you're right. I don't know if you remember that post of, of the next guy on the list that I found in his little locker room at Fenway park. You remember that photo that Nesson had that I, I grabbed. Yeah, so Devers with shirts off up in the, the oh right, it was a press behind, box one in one of the press boxes, and it was it not was good. not flattering. <laughs> yeah, very uh, inner tube looking. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so we've got Donaldson in at at nine. We just we believe that a healthy Donaldson is a dynamic player, and as he ages, his value is obviously going to go down. But I believe Minnesota signed him to that four year deal. He's got three years left when they don't think it's good for him to be at the position, when he believes it's no longer good for him to be at the position, he can go in and DH and possibly just be a monster. Like, fingers crossed on the health side, right? There are a lot of Stanton owners out there who are laughing at us for saying this, right? They're like, oh, you just can't trust some guys to stay healthy. I'm with you, you know, but if healthy, Josh Donaldson can do it now. If we have another season like this, that'll be what, three out of four that we haven't had a healthy Josh Donaldson? Time yeah. to make a, a pretty big adjustment there. Absolutely. Um, up at eight, we've got Raphael Devers, 23-24 to enter the season with Boston. Ty just mentioned, you know, Dalback being a 10 games on, 20 games off type guy. Devers is the 20 games on, 10 games off type guy. Frustrates me a lot in head-to-head. Uh, Roto, I think he's a really, really good player to have. Uh, points league, depending on your setup, he's going to be a top 10 guy. But regardless, I think even as Boston potentially kind of resets themselves, they're not going to have a horrible offense. They're always going to have bats right now. The pitching is atrocious, but they could still put up five runs a game and Devers could have an RBI, you know, in every one of those or sorry, every other one of those. So he could be an 80, 80 guy, um, seven Moncada with the white Sox, 25, 26 year old down year this year. 
Um, I I really want to see what Moncada is going to come out with next year. I mean, we talked about it last year and all through the season opportunity for runs, RBIs, you know, intense game moments, all those things are there that should drive a good hitter and Moncada in 60 games just didn't have his best 60 games. So we're going to get to reset the table for him and reset the five years. We think he's the seventh best guy. Uh, Ty, who do you want to, you want to discuss any of those guys? You want me to keep going? I, I do think Chapman's overrated in a lot of formats. Like I love Chapman as a baseball player. Like mm-hmm. if I'm watching baseball, I want to watch Chapman. If I'm a fantasy player, I'm, I'm definitely less interested in Chapman. We talk about it a lot. Uh, he's going to play cause he's so good defensively which means he's going to give you average value pretty much guaranteed. Right. So I, I don't like where he's going at this position right now. He's just going too high for me. And, and I think even last year he was even higher, which is scary. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of people probably got hurt real bad last year by Owen and Chapman. Um, Donaldson's a guy I'm with you. Like this is a make or break, like healthy year for him. Like he's got to be in there when he's in there. He's good. Nobody's going to argue that. It's just whether he can give you enough value. Devers is scary, but my guy, Mankata, like I'm, I'm all in on Mankata. I always have been. I always will be. Um, I, I just think I punt strikeouts. He's a profile guy for me that just fits because I'm going to get the power numbers. And I think you're going to see him slide into that number two spot this year um, and, and really find his way. I really think this is the year that he evolves and takes that big, big step forward as the rest of that team does around him. See, I think the poor signing of Adam Eaton might get Moncada in at three instead of two. I mean, we got to wait and find out, but I, because uh, they're not going to bat old Eaton Adam eight or nine. No, right. But I just feel like they're going to, no way. <sighs> I have a fear. No, no way. I, I would like to see Eaton kind of lost somewhere in the six, seven spot uh, yeah. be on base for Madrigal to drive in. But anyway, see, he profiles, at eight. He, he profiles at eight for me because you start, you go lefty righty on the bottom of that lineup with speed. And then you lead into the power gauntlet on the top. Like, I, I think that's a no brainer. Adam Eaton, Nick Madrigal, Tim Anderson, Yamakata, like that group right there is gross. Oh, and then you lead into, Abreu, Jimenez, and uh, Luis Robert. Cool. Yeah, how you doing? Right. <laughs> like, well, we yeah, we were talking that they with McCann in the lineup and Grandall that might be the most intimidating fantasy lineup it, that's an MLB team. Mm-hmm. And then with McCann now moving to the Mets, you're only losing the one guy. But you bring Adam Eaton back in, who could provide some stolen bases and some other things that McCann's not doing. Um, but yeah, it's interesting either way. Like Moncada has got every opportunity to crush this year. He's really, his big thing is K's. He's got to cut down on those. If he can get on base a bit more, obviously that's going to help. So um, at six, we've got Alec Baum, a nice move up for him from both of us. 15, we had him each ranked last year. This year he's uh, ranked five, sorry, six with a combined rank for us. The Philly third baseman came in this year, did exactly what we wanted him to do. We're very happy to see it. This is the progression we like to see with guys who come in from prospect to uh, rookie. Now we just need to make sure that we have a good sophomore season for him and he can keep rolling. Bregman in at five, Houston 26-27 to start the season, um, as Houston is also a team in potential transition. Bregman's good. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what are you going to say? Bregman's good, man. Uh, at four, I'll just do four tie, and then we can circle to those three. Randon with the Angels, 30-year-old. <clears throat> Pardon me. He's um, he's just Mr. Consistent, and the Angels should again be a dominant uh, 
or sorry, should in theory be a dominant offensive team. It's what they actually bring to the dish. I think Jose Iglesias could be a kind of hidden blessing for them with another guy on base, a smart hitter, uh, obviously helpful in the field, not Andrelton Simmons, amazing, but he can get the job done. And that might allow Rendon and the rest of the crew to really do some damage with the bats this year. So that is six bomb, five Bregman, four Rendon. Yeah, I, I think for me, Baum is just skyrocketing. I always, you know, we got to see him uh, in some games with Toronto, and and although Toronto stomped Philly in a in a couple series there, um, Baum was the bright spot for me. He was a guy that had really good at bats. I I like his his swing to right center. It's going to serve him well. And then when he gets out in front of it, uh, that pull power is there. He's a very large human being. And he protects the plate really well for a guy that size. So when, when you've got a guy that can protect the plate and is that big, good things happen. So I, I moved him a lot faster than honestly, than I thought I was going to, um, I knew he was going to be up here. I just didn't think he'd be this high for me already. Um, but that's, that's where he goes. And, and partly because some of these other guys didn't get in front of him, but uh, I don't think that means he's not deserving of it. Bregman's just a grinder. Right, which leads into Rendon. Like Rendon or Rendon, we might as well combo those Rendon because they're, they're basically <laughs> the same player, right? Like, I mean, they're very poli- like polished hitters. Like they they do take a lot of good pitches. Um, they they have a little power when they need it. They don't always use it, and and they just make the other pitchers' life miserable. And I think both of them are the kind of guys that I like to own. Just really consistent, multi-stat kind of guys. So. That's why I've got them three and four, respectively. Bregman at three, Rendon at four. Robbie has Rendon at three and, and Bregman at five. So, you know, they're all, once you get to this part, it's a, it's a very tight knit group here. So I really think those two are going to be the most consistent ones in this group for the next two or three years, probably. And in the group around them could fluctuate a lot um, in comparison. Oh yeah. I think, yeah, I think the, we could certainly see some of the guys at the tail end of the top 10, just, you know, move two and three spots back each year. And then new guys start to slowly claw their way up. Um, I'm trying to find here, Ty, and I'm going to have another look for it. I made a trade last year in a 20 team league where I traded Chapman and I was, I forget exactly the scenarios that I, that I gave the guy, but I insisted that I got both bomb and Ares arena back in the deal. I want to see the deal so I can know exactly how good it was for me. Because I Chapman was one of the players that I really liked, but like you just said, I like him as a really good baseball player. But as a fantasy player, there are other guys who I prefer. So in getting bomb in that deal, obviously Arizona was not any known home run. We liked him last year. We talked about him last year. But there are certain guys, you know, like we didn't put many prospects on our on our dynasty big board last year simply because we didn't want to deal with the fact that they might be suppressed. You know, the teams might be wonky and take it bats away and that could hurt them. But, you know, we put on our big boy pants for the 2021 uh, draft board here or our dynasty board here, and we've, we've got them all ranked. And, and this is one of the fruits of the labor, right? We see Baum make a, a big jump up and we think he's going to be able to stick around here. So the top three in a very particular order, Nolan Arenado, three with Colorado, uh, Manny Machado, second, with San Diego, what a great 2020 season he had for himself. And Jose Ramirez comes in at number one for us. So uh, Arenado could be on the way out. Machado looks like he's finally settled in. And for some reason, there aren't crazy trade talks in Cleveland about Ramirez, but there are about Lindor. 
So I think two of these three guys could very well have a new home within the next two years. My ranking is based on the fact that I think Arenado will end up staying in Colorado uh, because I have him ranked first. And a lot of that has to do with him being a good player in Colorado with some other good players around and on base. Now, Ty, we had a good talk about this before we started. So you've got him ranked sixth. What's your belief in him? This, this is how you have to do it in Dynasty, guys. You have to plant your foot and say you think something's going to happen and go down that road. So I think he's going to stay. I'm basing it on that. Ty, what's up? I think a couple things. One, the road splits are not that great. Like they never really have been. Like he's obviously got the boost from being in Colorado to some extent. I, Just I like think, story, same yeah. same thing, right? Dynamic yeah. guys. Yeah, I think there was a slight amount of just overrated here, frankly, from Arenado. I think people fell in love, similar to what I just mentioned with, with Matt Chapman. They fell in love with the idea that this guy's a baseball player and everybody talks about how good he is because they're talking about how good he is all around the field. Now, he hit reasonable last year, but not great. Like, you know, 738 OPS, nothing to write home about. 253 batting average, nothing to write home about. So it was me, a really I, bad second half for him, Ty. That was a lot of it with Arenado. Cool. But for me, you can't be, <laughs> you can't be number one if if you do that in my mind. Well, that was 30 games. Jose Ramirez had a year and a half of garbage. I, right? and, I, like, and I, I understand that. I understand that. But I, I just feel like... The power numbers have peaked, and I think you're starting to see the downside of Arenado. It doesn't mean he's not a good baseball player. doesn't mean that he's not in the top ten. doesn't mean he's not even in the top five. I'm just – I'm out on Arenado's upside. I'm, I'm in on him from a value side if I can get value from him when he starts the season slow and everybody gets out on him. I might get in on him at that point, but at this point I'm out as a number one type. I just don't think he's there anymore. I, I'm a third baseman myself. I love Arenado. It hurts me to put him this far down, but I, I can't lie to you guys. So I'm just, I'm out on Arenado for the, the climb to greatness. And I, th- I really do believe that when a deal, because a deal will become available, um, he's, he's gone. A, a target, an interesting target for me would be St. Louis. Everyone's talking about the Mets, but the, the Cardinals have a definite need at third base and Arenado would allow them to slide Edmund to the outfield. And then that team would be a little bit more competitive um, in opposition to what I was saying earlier, it might extend that window. So it would hurt Gorman, but um, definitely a guy that, that would be a good fit for the Cardinals who really value the all around uh, ability there, but just 29 still. So he's not, He's not dead. Like, don't don't go panicking by any means. And if you own him, like, don't feel like you have to get rid of him. I, I'm just ready to move on from Arenado peak because I see the next wave of third baseman. I think I can turn Arenado into, you know, a, a longer-term value guy um, really quickly here just based on the gap at the position. All right. Well, and that's why we're doing the ranks. And that's why we're telling you because we have different perspectives on it. And if you are only thinking one way, the only way you can be thinking is incorrectly. You got to get some different voices. Uh, When you're talking dynasty, there's a lot of things to consider. I don't disagree with what Ty said. I just can see a different 
I can see things playing out a little differently. It's no no different than how I take the sunny side on a guy like Anthony Rendon, and I I kind of go to negative town on a guy like Devers. It's not that I don't dislike Devers, you know, or that I that I think he's a bad ball player. Absolutely not. It's I that- dislike Devers. <laughs> I think I think as a prospect, I really liked Devers. He came up, he did good things. I invested heavily everywhere before he was a really big known quantity across baseball. I I had him, I loved him. And then I joined a bunch of new dynasty leagues and everybody was overpaying for him. And all of a sudden I thought, well, Devers isn't that good guys. You know, he's not that much of a game changer and he hasn't proven to be, to me, he's had points in head to head leagues where he's been the best player for a week or two weeks at a time. And he's been a top 10 guy for four weeks, which is great. Absolutely great. But he's also in your bottom 800 at the same time for an equal number of of weeks in your year. So he can be great for 10, 11 weeks. He can be crap for 10, 11 weeks. Well, that's not a really good head to head player. That's a good Roto guy. If the end of the year, the lines are good. So for me, Devers, I don't like as much, but with Rendon, I like the consistency that I see from him. So he gets a higher rank. Now, if you're doing Roto, that doesn't mean I'm going to move Devers up. I still prefer Rendon. I still prefer all the other guys in front. It's just that I know Devers has the ability to elevate. I don't think he is as good as his peak and that he plays under it, I think that he elevates himself for a short period of time. And that's when you see those hot streaks. You know, so you, you, the great players play at the same level all the time, like Rendon, and then have little valleys here and there, like Arenado plays at a level and then has a little valley. But I think a guy like Devers plays up and then everybody gets really excited and really hyped for him. Yeah, and I'm going to stir the pot on Twitter right now. I'm going to throw it. Heimer Candelario is greater than Matt Chapman and just let that, percolate that marinate bit. yeah let's see, let's see what happens there so moving in number two i'm going to take over here robbie because this is one of yeah, i mentioned them to take it go guys guys here um machado's just a guy I've, I've always liked this is not new if you're new to the show welcome this is the manny machado episode um but this is a guy that i i think people just love to hate i, I think he has that if he was a female people would say things like resting bitch face and i think that is <laughs> Where some of that comes from um, is they just don't like the attitude or the persona this guy gives off. But the best thing that ever happened to Manny Machado was to play side by side with Fernando Tatis Jr. I just think it's re-energized him. I, I think it's who he wants to be. He wants to have a little bit more fun when he's playing baseball. And I mean, who has fun playing baseball in Baltimore? No one. So I think this is a, a really good fit for Machado. And I think you're going to see a couple of years of peak performance. Like I was really close to throwing the number one on him. And I yeah. know that would have rattled some people. I was really close. I thought about that one for a while uh, before going with my eventual number one. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit. If you see him slide in at number one, he just, the only thing he doesn't do anymore is steal a ton of bases. He still might steal you 10 to 15 moving forward for a year. Um yeah. I, that's about it though. You're not going to get too much more than that. He had 20 upside before. I, I think you're going to see 10 for the foreseeable future, but um, it's, it's, he's a fun player to watch, fun player to own. And and I don't think he's going to hurt you in almost any format. Yeah. I, I'm with you there. Like two to one K to walkout ratio. Uh, K to walk ratio is not, not bad at all. You know, like you Nine, said, 950 OPS last season. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, 10 plus stolen base potential 80, 80 guy, and depending on what you want to see for dingers, you know, obviously 30 plus is possible. 
Like not a stretch to say that he can't do that over the next five years, you know, to average 80 runs, 80 RBIs, um, average 10 stolen bases a year. Like you bank all that. That is one fine well, dynasty. And, guy. And he listen, might be the one guy who stays. Sorry, Ty. He might be the one guy who stays in the top three each of the next five years without fluctuating. Cause we've got Rendon and Arenado tied. We gave the nod to Arenado, but Ramirez, Arenado, Rendon could all move around in and around but I think Machado is going to stay right in that sweet spot. Top three. Yeah. And I agree. And you're talking about a guy that's had, you know, 33 or more or 32 or more home runs the last four full seasons. Right. So there's only a handful of players in all of baseball that have had that power production OPS is of where we start here. 905, 963, 825 had the dip in his first year in the NL, which we talk about 796, but then back to 950 in the short season last year. So I really firmly believe that you're you're looking at a potential guy that could infringe on the MVP candidate. He got three votes last year, uh, so it's not as if he's a nobody. Um, but I, but I really like Manny Machado in San Diego. That was a great move for him. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't. Yeah, nothing bad to say about Machado. And then for Ramirez, you know, I I just think he's my number two. He's your number one. I think Ramirez has the um, most likely scenario of reducing stolen bases going to a team that's not going to need him to be running the bags as he has which might affect runs slightly uh he's also i believe entering the season at 28 uh, as machado is and i could just see a bit of a decline for him but it's a lot of uncertainty that's the big thing with him like if we knew where he was going to be this would be a little bit easier to to grade out but we don't and and that's okay like we don't need to know all the answers to make an educated guess on what we think is going to happen but you get a guy like Ramirez who needs to give you stolen bases to get that production and if you see him on a team like Cleveland the rest of this year and into next year runs might be affected if he's not hitting as many dingers and RBIs will certainly be affected because there won't be as many good players hitting in front of him that are on base so I don't think Ramirez sucks no sir well, but there's some fluctuation that could happen in his game that affects his overall production, which I mean, one and two, we're splitting hairs here. He's yeah. a damn fine player. Well, but the thing that I, I think is underappreciated about Ramirez, like he had a limited at bat season in 2019, hit, you know, just 23 home runs and everyone's like, oh, his power was down. Well, guess what? He had, uh, what do we got here? Basically a hundred or less at bats versus 18. And in 2020, he had 17 home runs in, half of those at bats. Right. So, you know, for me, I, I think he's very underappreciated as a power bat because everybody assumes that he's a steel guy and, and he's not even that like his most steals he has in the season is 34 in 2018. Do you know what the next highest total he has was Robbie? So 34, yeah, 24. Yeah. So like really big gaps and everything else is in that 20 and below range. So I don't see him as a speed guy. Yes, that was his peak season, probably his best fantasy season ever. Um, but that doesn't mean. But it was broken be... up, Ty. From a fan, that's the thing with Ramirez. It, it was broken up because he had what was the year? He had an amazing set half, first half, I think, of seventeen, and then a horrible second half, and then he brought that second half into eighteen until like the All Star break or whatever, and then was just lights out rest of the way. Whatever it was, it was like a full calendar year. Yeah, I feel like it's the back of, of seventeen early. Stink. Yeah. Okay. Whatever it was, it was just like it was so frustrating. And I remember when we first started the podcast and we were discussing that 
it was an interesting mix because it was just like, well, what are we going to get from him if he's stolen bases and homers? You know, that's such a weird thing to do for a player to be able to possess the ability for both. Because you're thinking if they're hitting for power, they're probably not on base as much to be stealing. But Ramirez just does it all. And that's the the bonus. My my fear is that he's not going to be able to continue that for five years. But I mean, cash in cash in right now if somebody thinks oh man i don't like ramirez is like well a top if you're looking at the full calendar hot stretch like this is a guy that went from 257 batting average at the beginning of september finished with the 292 at the end and hit 10 of his 17 home runs in september so that's go. the guy that finished the season that's the guy that's number one on my list and that's the guy i'm looking for in 2021 so that's how i got here robbie it's, it's a great place to leave us. Is there any pa- uh, parting notes that you want to send to, to the crew? Uh, nothing in particular, Ty. I, I'm certainly hoping that everybody is enjoying the Dynasty ranks. If you want to see the paper copy, we are happy to send it to you. Just uh, DM me at RobbieBaseball1 or at DingersPod, and I will get you a copy so that you can see for yourself of uh, what the ranks are so you can use them for your Dynasty benefit. And um, we thank you so much for listening. That's a great place to leave it. Until next time, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Dingers.